Welcome to Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. I'm Sam. On today's episode, we'll be chatting all about private practice, season four, episode six. Episode six, All in the Family, was written by Sanford Golden and Karen Weiscarver and directed by Anne Kindberg. It aired on October 28th, 2010. Enjoy! On today's episode, I am joined by the Christina to my Meredith, the Violet to my Cooper, <laughs> the Ann Perkins to my Leslie Nope, the Lady Mary to my Lady Sybil, my person. This is my big cousin, Caitlin. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I'm Caitlin. I uh, work in marketing and advertising. I'm originally from Pittsburgh, but I've been living in Los Angeles for the past few years and love it. Um, in my spare time, I love reading and traveling and uh, trying different food and wine. And I do a lot of rewatching of older shows too, sometimes all the way back to Murder, She Wrote, uh, which Sam and I like to watch together sometimes. Um, and, Sam? You know, Jessica Fletcher and all. Wow. We were just talking on the last episode about how Lauren was the only one who called me Samantha besides my family, and that's the first time Caitlin has ever called me Sam. I really never call you Sam. I no. Don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I just did. I think... I think I just like saw your name abbreviated and just read what I saw. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah, I've never, I've, you've never called me Sam before. I, f- I feel like I cut off the end of your of yourself. So you love Jessica Fletcher, as we all do. Yes. Um, also, Columbo is a big fan. Yeah, I love, uh, I love a lot of detective shows, like and Agatha books. Christie. Huge Agatha Christie fan. Love a lot of the remakes. What's old and new. Me? Who's that? Oh, Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. Um, it's an Australian. Australian TV show that I like. Um, I love historical fiction a lot. And right now, though, I'm currently watching Only Murders in the Building. Um, My husband and I watch that every single week. And in these days of streaming, I wish that they could put the whole show out at once, but it is kind of fun, um, kind of like when we were younger, to like wait for an episode every week. Um, So, so, you know, we've gotten used to it, and the finale just came out recently, so um, we're looking forward to watching that, finding out who did it. I don't watch, uh, but I know a lot of people who do, so I also can't wait to know who did it, who did what, I don't know, maybe a murder? That's what I'm guessing. (laughs) (laughs) But only if it took place in the building. Only in the building. Yeah. There are only murder, and like the building is full of murderers. It it could be. Could be. Who knows? Who knows? We don't know who did it yet. No. So, how did you come to Gray's private practice? Like, what made you become interested in the Gray's universe? Oh, that's fun. Um, So, I was, gosh, when Gray's first came out, I think I was in high school, maybe, or middle school. You were in middle school because I was in elementary Um, school. But I, I think I was early teenage years, and uh, my mom and I used to watch it together every week. And no one else in my house was into the show or liked it, but it was something my mom and I did. And so we watched the first few seasons together, and that's a fun memory for me. It was something we enjoyed doing together. And then um, after the first few seasons, it kind of fell off for me. Not because I wasn't enjoying it. I think I just got busy or was watching other things. So my knowledge of Grey's are really the the OG days with like McDreamy, McSteamy, and, you know, Isabel and all of those characters um, where I first was introduced to Sandra Oh. She's incredible. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of my history there. And I've actually never watched Private Practice before. Until tonight. Um, until tonight. So these are my very fresh 
takes on the characters and their dynamics and what's happening. Uh, so that's kind of fun. I had just very little knowledge about Addison, you know, from those early Grey's years. And that's about it. Um, and I guess I live in LA, so Santa Monica is not, you know, right here. So been there lots of times, but that's about, that's about it. They have our favorite bakery there. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of great food there. Yeah. I also, we have a lot of listeners who are younger, like in high school and college. And I just want to remind them that when Caitlin was in college, not that she's old because she's not, but <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. So when Caitlin was in college, similar to when we were talking about when Sarah was in college, science with Sarah, and there would have to be, it was the very early days of Hulu, but it would likely be like you record it on a VHS and then you watch it the next day. Oh yeah. Streaming didn't exist. Yeah. Like, I think I was well into my 20s by the time yeah. that was going around. So I feel a little bit old. Um, but back then when Grey's was airing, like I was watching it on network TV when it aired. And if you missed the episode, you were kind of out of luck and would just have to watch the recap at the beginning of the next and one. Ask, and, and wonder. Or, or wonder. Yeah. Um, yeah there, <laughs> Hope you see a rerun over the summer. Yeah, you just kind of missed it. Um, so it's it's weird to think about that. Yeah. It seems like another time, but um, that's how it was. So it was really a thing. My mom and I would sit down yep. and watch Grey's because that was the only time you could watch it. Mm-hmm. So we made that time for the show and for each other. And in that regard, that was really cool. Streaming's great because you can watch it whenever you want, but sometimes it means that you can kind of like say, oh, I'm too busy doing this or I don't have time for that. But when the show was on, the show was on and you just had to watch it. Yeah. It kind of made you have a little bit of balance, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if the commercial was on and you needed a snack or something, you had to like run, run, run back. And the other person in the room saying, it's back. And you have to <laughs> run back so you don't miss the show because you can't rewind. No or pause. I know this sounds really old, but it was just the, uh, early, it was the early 2000s, basically. Yeah. yeah. Which I guess was a long time ago. Gosh. Oh, oh I don't want to think about it. No. Anyway. <laughs> 1990 was 10 years yeah. ago, not 30. Yeah. <laughs> so how much... <laughs> How much of – so you've never watched Private Practice. No. Have you caught up at all on Grace? Not at all. I've seen bits and pieces in the news, you know. Yeah. Um, I know Ellen Pompeo is still in, starring in the show, um, but that's about the extent of my knowledge. Interesting. Um, just little bits and pieces. Yeah, we watched together because we like to have quality time together. And she was like, oh, what is was Amelia on Grey's Anatomy? And I was like, she is now. But she's never seen it. you never seen it. No, but I think I've seen, you know, just online clips, or whatever, yeah. clips. Uh, and I think I remember hearing about an Amelia character. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I don't know anything beyond that. So what do you know about Private Practice? So I do know that it's a spinoff from Grey's. That Addison um, left Seattle Grace. I don't remember why. Um, I'm not even sure if I saw that point, but that she moved down to LA, Santa Monica to do this private practice uh, with other doctors. And I do know that she came from a well off background and she has a beautiful beach house beach houses and babies (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but that's that's really the extent of it Um, but also I will say Amy Brenneman who plays Violet this is really gonna date me a little bit too I 
also with my mom, used to watch Judging Amy. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember when it aired. I don't know if it was reruns or I watched it when it was airing. But I used to watch Judging Amy before we started watching Grey's together. So as soon as Violet popped on the screen, I just said, like, oh, Amy, I love yeah. her. I love her. So that was um, – it felt a bit nostalgic. Yeah, I remember – I know that you and your mom watched Judging Amy because I feel like, because my mom is also into like the lawyery shows. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's maybe genetic, even though <laughs> we're related on our dad's side. Anyway, <laughs> um, and I remember your mom being like, "Oh, I think Samantha's just a bit too young for Judging Amy at the time." So it must yeah, have been like the nineties. You definitely would have been. Honestly, I was probably a little I, young for Judging Amy. Yeah, but um, I was also too young for Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, but. you definitely would have been too young. Yeah. So I remember. I like very much remember that conversation happening on like New Year's Day or like Thanksgiving or something like that. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite Shondaland character? Oh gosh. That's so hard, but I'm oh I'm going to have to say Olivia Pope. Okay, okay. I think Olivia Pope. I popular love, answer. Yeah, I really liked Scandal, especially the early seasons. Maybe this is a trend for me. I watch <laughs> early seasons of shows. Maybe I'm learning something about myself. Um, but I just uh, loved her character. She just got it done. Uh, she was such a boss, and I like I like some of the DC shows. Uh, I used to watch. I thought, I thought you meant like DC no, versus no, 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 Marvel, no. and I was like, "That's not what we're talking about this time." Washington DC. <laughs> got you, got you, got you. Uh, some of the political dramas I've watched, you know, a lot of those shows over the years too. I really was like, "This isn't Marvel. This isn't like." <laughs> it's been it's been a it's been a long a long day, dear listeners. <laughs> From the Greys that you watched, yeah, who did you love, if you remember? Um, I can't remember her character's name, but I think I loved Sandra O. Yeah, Christina. Christina. Yeah, Christina Yang. Yes. Yes. You're um, Christina and I'm Meredith. Yeah, I I really liked her mm-hmm. a lot, and I've loved Sandra O oh ever since. Um, she's great in Killing Eve. She's so good. She's great in everything. But that, that's how I first got to know who she was. and Now I'm thinking I might be Christina and you might be Meredith. I don't think I remember enough details to know. <laughs> I don't think either of us or either of the people, but I had to bring it in because of the my person thing. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Who are we, though? I've never thought about that. I think I'd have to revisit the show to wonder. I, can't, I, it's I think constant, it's been too long for me. It's constantly playing in my brain. Wow, that whole my person thing really entered yeah, pop culture. Yeah. I mean, that really stuck to the point that I forgot for a second that it came from the show until you just said that. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow, that's crazy. I I'm going to I'm going to think about who we are. This is getting existential. I know. We're not <laughs> Meredith and Lexi because I feel like you'd be Lexi cuz you're smarter. I don't know who Lexi is. Yeah, you don't. You don't. Maybe we're like, no, I was going to say we're Maggie and Amelia, but they're not related. You don't know who, you don't know who Maggie is. I'll think about this and I'll put it on our Instagram or I'll insert it at the end of this episode. We'll see. We'll see. Can't wait to find out. (laughs) So what else are you reading and or watching right now? So we know only murders in the building. We know Jessica Fletcher. Yeah, I do my comfort show uh, rewatches, so 
really anything that's mystery or uh, a little historical fiction or something like that along those lines I really like. But I haven't been watching as much as I've been reading uh, recently and I am pro-audiobook uh, and in my opinion, <laughs> listening to audiobooks is reading. So I read sometimes the physical books and sometimes I listen, um, but I have a really busy schedule and I find that I'm able to read and enjoy a lot more books um, if I mix in a good amount of audio. So I think one of my favorite books I've read recently is Lessons in Chemistry mm -hmm. uh, and that is being made into, I think, an Apple series. I think Brie Larson is producing and starring it. I think it's coming out next year. Interesting. It's, um, she's been talking about this for a couple. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Uh, the author, I believe her name is Bonnie Garmus, and it follows uh, a character named Elizabeth, who's a chemist, um, at a time where it was even harder to be a chemist as a woman. And she really fights through a lot of that uh, with her ambition and her dreams, but she does hit roadblocks um, at the time because it was not a norm to have a lady as a chemist. So um, she ends up stumbling her way into becoming a American celebrity hosting a cooking show. And she kind of uses the cooking show as a way to teach chemistry to women across the country. Um, and it's... It's really great. Uh, it has a lot of dry humor, a lot of wonderful storylines and characters. I can't wait to see the show. Isn't this the one where she has a cat named 630? A dog. A dog named, named 630. Uh, she's very... She's very black and white, very scientific in how she looks at the world. And I think it was like a, I'm not giving anything away. I think it was like a rescue dog that walked up to her at 6.30 at night or something. Oh. And so the name was 6.30. And the dog is actually a character in the book. Oh, I love that. Um, so, yeah, I, I've read a lot of really great books this year. But um, that I'm really excited for that series to come out next year. What are your other favorite podcasts? I've always enjoyed uh, Getting Curious with Jonathan Van Ness. Mm -hmm. We're big JVN fans yeah. in this family. Loved the show that was produced, and I don't always listen every episode, but sometimes I'll look through the topics that I'm especially interested in or know nothing about, and I just love the enthusiasm, and I always learn something and laugh and... Uh, it's just fun yeah. and lighthearted. I used to listen to a lot of news podcasts, but that got too stressful, <laughs> especially in recent years. So I um, I like to kind of start my day a little more relaxed. You also got me into JVN Hair Care. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is I not a podcast, but also JVN. Yeah, we're just big JVN, JVN fans here. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you want to guest host and you're listening, JVN, we love you. I know you're not, but last time we talked to Twiggy, so, like, who can we not talk to? You never know. Put it out into the universe. Yeah, manifest <laughs> it. <laughs> do you have anything else to promote? Well, I, I do, uh, actually. So I'm involved with uh, volunteering with a nonprofit called Union Station Homeless Services, and uh, I think it's really important, no matter where you live, um, to give back to your community. And that includes uh, our neighbors who are experiencing homelessness. And so there may be really great nonprofits where you live. A lot of them can be local. But I, I love helping other people. And I love helping our community. So really, any way I can give back, 
you know, that's something that I like to do. So is Union Station Homeless Services, is that just LA or is that Southern California as a whole? It's mostly based around the San Gabriel Valley uh, and they just do phenomenal work. I really uh, feel very honored to be able to volunteer with them. I definitely recommend checking them out and also checking out what's uh, close to you and how you may be able to help volunteer as well. So this episode is October 28th, 2010, as we said, and that is right around Halloween, and we talk a bit about Halloween. So I would like to know, what were you for Halloween in 2010, Caitlin? (laughs) So I was in college, and my husband and I were dating at the time, and I think I've mentioned my love for, uh, you know, throwback TV shows, so I'm not sure if you've heard of I Dream of Jeannie, um, Barbara it, Eden. Yeah. Yep. It aired quite a while ago. I, I think, think that was one of the shows that started in black and white and went to color. It did, I believe. Yeah. So I went as Jeannie and my husband went as Major Nelson, um, who Jeannie in the show is, um, I, I believe, dating and, and so... Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And then they get married eventually? I can't remember. Uh, It's been so long since I watched it, but it was really fun um, being Jeannie and Major Nelson. Uh, We we were dating all through college and we usually tried to pick a fun couple's costume. You always uh, have every year. So we we always had fun uh, picking out what to be. (laughs) You were uh, Sherlock and Dr. Watson once, right? Uh, we were, um, and even recently, uh, once we moved out to LA, they they filmed a lot of Parks and Re- and Parks and Rec here, and we're big Parks and Rec fans. So we went as Janet Snakehole and Burt Macklin, which <laughs> are actually Halloween costumes of some of the characters in the show. So it was a little meta, but um, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. We carved a little Sebastian pumpkin it was great so (laughs) bye bye little sebastian yes we did play the song while the candle was lit in there you know Um, i think it's like five thousand candles in the wind or something is what it's called so yeah we we have fun (laughs) (laughs) um caitlin and i watched the rose parade together this year and there were tiny horses which little sebastian is a tiny horse and a lot of, as she said, a lot of um, Parks and Rec was filmed around here. Specifically, Pawnee City Hall is Pasadena City Hall. And Pasadena is where the Rose Parade is. So from behind us, people were screaming, kindly screaming, <laughs> at the tiny horses, Lil Sebastian lives! <laughs> and it was maybe the highlight of my year on January 1st. I still oh, haven't topped it. Yeah. I mean, how can you? It's little Sebastian. Bye-bye, little Sebastian. <laughs> bye-bye, little Sebastian. <laughs> what were you for Halloween in 2010? So I was almost done with high school. We talk about all the time how Melissa and I are the same age as Maya, who's Sam's daughter, who you didn't meet in this episode. Um, and I was, I thought I was too cool. Not too cool for school. I thought I was not cool enough for school, but too cool for Halloween. Oh. So I... And my knee was injured at the time. So you had some teen angst. <laughs> I had I had some teen... Uh, please. <laughs> I, I am like the least angsty. You are. That's why it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I... And we had to change for our theater classes in the afternoon. I went to performing arts high school. Mm-hmm. Talked about it before. So we had to wear all black. Black, white, or gray. So all day, I just went around in um, my like... It was a black leotard, black shorts 
black tights and my old jazz shoes and my knee brace. So for Halloween, I was an injured musical theater student. <laughs> and that's what I was in real life as well. <laughs> so I was an injured musical theater student for Halloween in 2010. So where can we find you online if you want to be found? <laughs> My accounts do tend to be private, but on Instagram, you can find me at KCB110. So that's 110. All right. So our patient breakdown for season four, episode six. We have first notes and miscellaneous per usual. We have Georgie Schwartz, who is in a persistent vegetative state has iron deficient anemia and is pregnant. We have Bob Schwartz who has talk therapy. Jacob Deaver, facial lacerations, bruised arm and HIV. Evan Arnold, closed head trauma, fractured tibia and HIV. And Angela Deaver who has bladder reconstruction. And then I put a little section about Halloween because I remember it being more part of the episode than it actually is and then most of my Halloween notes are actually my first notes so unless you have a lot in that we can just put it in miscellaneous I'm good with miscellaneous okay yeah I, I remember it being like a lot of conversation but it was really only one scene and then the Halloween scene wasn't even about Halloween so it was just there yeah it was just there it was there okay what's your very first note I think I mentioned it earlier Violet popped on screen right away and I just said oh Amy I love her <laughs> <laughs> that's true and then immediately I started not being sure if I loved her character which kudos to Amy for playing it well <laughs> yeah exactly that's the thing Violet is not at all my favorite character mm -hmm. but the way that she plays her is awesome oh yeah yeah yeah. And the fact that I love Amy so much and didn't like her character yeah. speaks a lot, I think, to her work that yes. she did. Yeah. My first note is kind of more of a question. Violet doesn't live in Santa Monica? Because they showed kind of like the an aerial shot down to her house. And to me, it looked like uh, Los Feliz or Griffith because it was so close to the Hollywood sign. It was like two seconds in. You might not remember. Oh, I do remember the Hollywood sign opening. I don't think I. I don't think I paid attention. I think I thought it was just aerial shots of the city. Yeah, like a lot of shows do. Yeah, it started out as that, and then it like zoomed in on her house. Oh, but I interesting. Guess, I think I always thought she lived in Santa Monica, and why she would live that far away from Santa Monica if she and Pete are both working there. And she has all that trauma in the house that we don't need to get into at this moment. Oh, not realistic. No, not at all. Especially, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. That, I wouldn't want that commute. No, I would not at all. I also love the old sewing machine that Violet is sewing on. It looks like, like what is in my parents' attic from Grandma Kitty. Like, or it might be Grandma Madeline. Like that really old, like, iron, right? Yeah, I there. I love old. Uh, there's a theme. I love vintage things. Um, yeah, I think it's really fun. Yeah, a Violet wanting to make Lucas's costume. Um, so a character you don't know from Grey's Anatomy. Do you know Owen from Grey's Anatomy? I don't. Okay, so there there's a character named Teddy on Grey's Anatomy, who our dear listeners will know. But Teddy in a, this last season of Grey's, seventeen, I believe, maybe eighteen. Um, was making this whole big thing about making 
her kids' Halloween costumes. And I want to say it was like the same, it was definitely the same idea of the monologue Hmm. as Violet did, if not exactly the same. Because the reason that they both want to do it is because their moms made their Halloween costumes. But I don't remember, it was just very much like the same thing. And Violet and Ted, Violet and Teddy are not the same people, obviously. But like, even they're not even like similar, really. Hmm. So I was confused. I have a lot in this episode about Violet's selfishness when it comes oh, to the yeah. whole Pete family situation. Uh, but the way that she does it at the very beginning of this episode was kind of funny. She just very much sticks it in there. She's like, "Oh, did your mom make you? Did your did your mom did your did you dress like your brother?" It was that beginning was fun. And I we both we love old things and we love architecture. Did you catch the tiling on the stairs? No, I didn't. We'll have to go back and watch. I think we have to go back to watch this scene. <laughs> <laughs> There's like beautiful ornate but still like kind of boho chic tiling on the stairs like going up when the baby is sitting at the bottom oh, of the stairs fun. i have to look at that yeah then if this is still all about violet um <laughs> i took a lot of notes about violet yeah when she is telling cooper about pete's family situation the whole never ever never ever ever thing she says this is a quote which is obviously wrong he should tell me this stuff i'm not married but I feel like if your spouse, first of all, if your spouse didn't tell you this about his immediate family before you were married, maybe don't push him on it the next day. And I also just don't know how they got this far into the relationship and marriage without that coming up before. And and it's really his choice what yeah. he wants to share or not, but... I don't know how long their relationship has been since I'm new to this show, but to me, that kind of speaks to their communication or the way they know each other. And immediately for me, my first impression of Violet was that she was very self-centered and putting herself in the middle of this without really taking into account why her husband hadn't shared it with her. Maybe it was painful. Maybe it was something he couldn't talk about. And instead of coming from a place of supporting him, it was coming from a place of, oh, this is drama. Uh And I'm going to tell people about my husband's private um, trauma, trauma, family situation, um, without his permission and it just really rubbed me the wrong way I feel like talking about again your person she's supposed to be his person and in that role she should be supporting him Mm -hmm. instead of kind of parading it around as like gossipy drama with her friends and I just didn't like that no and it wasn't even coming from a place of like I'm worried about Pete and his emotional health not getting this out it was like Hey Cooper, I gotta tell you this. What do you th- like? Not what do you think I should do, but Cooper, can you believe? Like, can you yes. believe? Like, oh my god. Yeah, it was totally gossip. Yeah, and not how can I help? It was coming from a curious place, not a caring place, which is curious to me because at the time I didn't yet know that she's a therapist in the practice. <laughs> so I was surprised as the episode went on to find that out. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, new eyes, new ears, dear listeners. Because I would have thought she'd be a little more intuitive or take pause to think, why isn't he sharing this? This is something he's shutting off. And maybe that's harder in a personal life because she's not his doctor. But I, I think she thinks she is. Yeah, I, I'm just, I was really surprised by that. Yeah, yeah, I am pleasantly surprised, but not surprised. I am, I am intrigued with that. But do you have any more first notes? Let's see. A lot of it was about Violet, I have to say. I was also surprised um, when I saw that Sam and Addison were together. Yeah, she, she like, she was like, what? So I said, pause and write it down. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because I knew what she was thinking. So it was the scene where they were disagreeing at work, and then I think immediately they were in the bathroom in her house. Washing her face for an hour. She's washing her face for forever so it must I think it's very clean (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah I was really surprised to see that I don't know why I was so surprised I think they just seemed so professional um at work that I really didn't pick up that they were together whereas some of the other couples didn't kind of keep that professionalism so much in the workplace. Like Cooper and Charlotte. Yeah, so I think that's why it surprised me. And also coming from having watched Early Greys, that's a big part of the show, the co-workers dating and everything. But you could kind of pick up on those vibes, and I just did not pick it up on the two of them. And I know it was a brief scene, but I think it just surprised me. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I would agree. There's been a lot of that with our with our guest hosts recently. Specifically... We don't have to get into it because we've talked it to death on other episodes, but the whole Naomi, Sam, Addison thing, you said, and they're not friends anymore. And I was like, no, they are. (laughs) She just isn't on this episode. (laughs) Yeah, complex. Um, And the other note I have, again, calling back on the fact that I watch a lot of old TV shows, is that this episode is called All in the Family, which was a pretty well-known show when it aired many, many decades ago. And I was kind of waiting to see if they were going to somehow tie in a plotline or something of the episode with All in the Family, and I didn't pick up on any ties to it. So I wasn't sure if that was a clue as to what the, would happen in the episode or not, but I think it was unrelated. No, I think it was related to the plot points, just not to the show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dear listeners, All in the Family is what the Jeffersons spun off from. So if you're familiar with the Jeffersons, which is another really good show, Mm -hmm. Jeffersons was a spinoff of All in the Family. So when I'm talking to our dear listeners, I'm looking at my computer. When I'm talking to Caitlin, I'm talking into Caitlin's face. I'm just realizing that I'm like, dear listeners, you are my computer. Amazing. (laughs) So while we're talking about Addison's face getting really clean, I had a lot of time to look around her bathroom while I was listening to them speak. So at 11 minutes and 10 seconds, Addison's washing her face, as we said, very clean face. Um, There's a framed leotard behind her. It's like a teal color. It almost looks like an ice skating costume. And I'm wondering if Addison was an ice skater I know that we've had some mentions of her um, being an equestrian athlete, so like riding horses, which makes sense with her upbringing. But dear listeners, is she also an ice skater? 
Uh, at 11.50, when we get a shot more on Sam, there's a framed peach one behind her that looks more like a teddy. I'm really confused. I'm very intrigued. I would like to know if any of you have insights because I sure don't. It's beautiful decor, but I feel like there should be a reason behind having like two specific outfits framed in your bathroom. I didn't even notice that. You have a lot more to watch, like, I was, to pick I, up on. I was trying to pick up on everything for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, but you got a really good little detail that we'll talk about later. Oh, I was proud of that one. You're, you should be. You should be very proud. <laughs> also, Addison and Sam are always fighting about different projects and different patients, and it seems to me like they're always just, like, obviously this was, I mean, I, I think that Addison was right, absolutely, but, like... This, they're always just, like, picking fights with each other. You know why I think that is? Hmm. I think hearing the background of their relationship is very complicated, and they kept kind of twisting the knife at each other in frustration, and they would bring her up, and it was, it would be a step too far, and it's yeah. like, oh, I, I'm trying to work on what I'm saying. So to me, in fighting about the work issues, while... This one in this episode is definitely, I think, a moral issue yeah. and something that, you know, warrants that conversation. Um, I almost feel like they're using it as a tool to fight but not fight about the real issues. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My last first note is we talked in our last episode, season four, episode five, with Lauren about how they're always wearing these jackets and sweaters that don't provide any real warmth. And I thought that the 2010 gold medal of that is at the beginning of the episode when Addison's wearing a cable knit short sleeve sweater. <laughs> like cable knit is meant for warmth. Mm -hmm. Sweaters are meant for warmth. And then you're going to give it to me in short sleeve version. Like I definitely had some short sleeved, cam uh, not camis, camis are sleeve, but short sleeved, cardigans mm -hmm. but that was just like a heavy New England cable net yeah so my guess is that it was still quite warm in LA but they desperately wanted to feel like it was fall yeah. and that a season was changing and that's the way to do it um yeah. or you just wear the sweater and you are really overheated <laughs> And you just accept that fact because it's fall, whether it's 90 degrees or not. <laughs> yeah. And we talked about in our episode, all the, uh, Lauren had a great episode, I think. Uh, <laughs> in our last episode with Lauren, who brought up great notes, she was talking about a study that she read about how air conditioning was meant for men. And air conditioning in corporate buildings especially is not for a woman's body. So, like, there are all these jokes about women always being cold. Oh, yeah. I used to be uh, freezing in a corporate office I used to work in. Yeah. In the summer, I would actually sometimes be colder. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. they overcompensate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That is true. So, we are going to move on to Georgie Schwartz and Bob Schwartz. We put them together. So, basically, again, we have our Schwartz couple and then we have our Deaver couple and Evan Arnold. So we're going to basically have, like, two patient blocks. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's your first note about our Schwartz family? So now having seen the whole episode, I actually think my first note was a lot of foreshadowing. Because the first thing I thought of was I didn't like how the doctor, I think it was Amelia, mm -hmm. was talking about... Georgie 
in front of her um, about almost kind of convincing her husband that she's not going to get better. They don't know for sure that she can't hear. Um, and I just felt like this is your patient. To me, this is not this is not correct. Yeah. Um, head traumas are complex. They may think she's, you know, not all there, but as they said, they, they don't know for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just, I didn't like that. And I think it was foreshadowing for how she was treated by her doctors for much of this episode and her family and her family. Yeah. Yeah. I, she was not advocated for really, in my view, by anyone except for Addison. Mine also has to do with Amelia, but is very different. Um, I say Amelia looking like a grown-up heart, and her eyes are so blue with one, two, three, four, five E's. So uh, both about Amelia, but very different notes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was just, you know, they show Georgie, and her eyes are moving, and she's, yeah. you know, and I just thought, oh, if she can understand this, that is, yeah, that is being trapped inside. Really, yeah. really hard. So I knew where this storyline was going. And at the beginning, in that first scene that we're talking about, Bob seems so relatable and so sympathetic at that point. And obviously, I empathize for what he's going through. I could never imagine it, and I never want to. But I'm going to reach to say that the way he goes about what he goes about is not right. No. We can leave it at that for now. Yeah. Yeah. When Amelia brings in Georgie's chart to talk to Addison, and Addison looks at her blood work, I believe, or scans or something. I think it, I think it was blood work. Yeah. And Addison realizes that Georgie's pregnant. I know a lot of times we really talk about how the co-op is breaking HIPAA and doesn't work and everybody goes to Sheldon Violet for therapy and that you shouldn't have doctors as your friends and all this stuff. But this is the situation that the co-op really works because a neurosurgeon isn't going to necessarily identify at first glance that she's pregnant, but the OB will. Hmm. And vice versa. So that's props to Oceanside Wellness right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a good collaboration moment. Yes. It yeah. was. It was. Yeah, I was just really struck by the fact that everyone was putting the husband first. They were all putting Bob first yeah. when Georgie was actually their patient. Yeah, Addison was the only one who maybe half Amelia but especially, I mean, the way that Sam and Sheldon, Sheldon was going from the emotional health and the mental health of Bob, which is obviously why Sheldon was in a situation. Yeah. And I mean, and Bob does and did need support yeah, <laughs> clearly absolutely. for what he was going through. Um, but at the end of the day, it felt to me like almost no one was really truly looking out for Georgie. No. And uh, I think if you want to do both, there's a way to do both. But um, I just really felt for Georgie yeah. uh, for, for most of, you know, that episode. Yeah. So that, that, that was a little bit hard to watch sometimes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
I said this before, but Sam is wrong, and it is assault. Yeah. And then he says, I put a couple quotes down, he's not out to harm her. It doesn't matter. No. And it, 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 it's pretty, she can't consent. No, no. End of the day, she can't consent. Not at all. So whether he meant harm or not, it doesn't matter. It's harm, yeah. Because... And, the, and what Addison said about her already being at risk for an embolism, and, like, he may not be out to harm her, but using her for a baby is is putting her in harm's way. Yeah. And it also made me question... How closely are they monitoring the patients? Yeah. How did the how was this allowed to happen? And the fact that he wants to keep trying and do this again leads you to believe that it was easy for it to happen. And that's concerning. Yeah. Although, you know, I do I I kind of see how it can happen. Yeah. Because it's like a long-term care facility. It's yeah. not a place where like they necessarily need to have I mean, yes, nurses in and out all the time, but, like, if a patient's husband is there, like, I don't see why the door couldn't be closed. Yeah, that's true. But it just it just seemed really strange. Um, it just felt like I wasn't sure who was looking out for Georgie and all of this. Yeah, yeah. And then Sam was talking about how this was a really good facility that Georgie was in. And it's like, well, how good of a facility is it if your mandatory reporters aren't going to be reporting what they're mandated to report? Yeah, and that was really early in the episode. Yeah. And I didn't know who the characters were or anything, and I just thought, whoa, what? Yeah. And most of the characters aren't wanting to report. I was just really surprised by that. You know, you can feel for Bob, but at the end of the day, what he did was illegal and and, and also wrong. Yeah. (laughs) And so you can feel for him and want him to get help, but also protect Georgie. Mm-hmm. And and that just didn't seem to be happening. So that was a bit disturbing to me. Yeah. And another quote I wrote down, hopping right on to what you were saying, is Addison says, unfortunately, Georgie doesn't have a say in this. And that really, that really, like, affected me the way that she said that and that she said that mm-hmm. and where was the rest of Georgie's family mm-hmm. besides Bob you know where were they which is interesting I was just watching an episode I forget if dear listeners was it private practice I don't I don't think it was I think it was Grey's Anatomy no it definitely was Grey's Anatomy a uh, patient was pregnant she was like or was it ER oh dear lord I'm watching too many medical shows <laughs> there, a patient was pregnant, like not the fetus wasn't viable yet, and she was in a coma that she wouldn't wake up from. So it was like the baby's father versus the mother's parents of what to do. Hmm. I think it was ER. Podcast ghosts are screaming. They're screaming at me. <laughs> Addie's right that they're not all pushing the same way on this. I was getting really mad at Sam. I feel like I've been on the Sam, like, the Sam hate train for a couple episodes, and I really don't mean to be. I really, I really like Sam most times. He's just wrong in this situation. Addison is correct that they're not all pushing the same way, and and Sam was like, we're on the same team. We all want the same thing. And it's like, but what is it that you want? Because I don't think it's the same thing as what I want. Yeah, and in this situation, I mentioned before, I thought they were using work to fight about yeah. not what they really needed to work out. Mm-hmm. But in this situation, this is 
kind of a moral difference. And I do understand why Addison was so taken aback that they were, had such different stances on this. Mm -hmm. Um, because it, I mean, (laughs) it, it, it's a, it's a major thing. And I was shocked that so many people were on Sam's side. Um, so I, I definitely understand, um, why Addison felt that way. And also, good for her for speaking out and standing up when everyone disagreed she held firm and advocated for her patient she is the number one on the call sheet for this show we've talked about them before dear listeners it's like when you're like the star of the show like ellen pompeo is number one on the call sheet for Grey's anatomy you like set the tone for the set but also i feel like addison sets the tone for the show like addison is the moral compass of the show at most times when she's not cheating on her partner yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the scene um, where they're in Addison's room and she's like, I'll just, I'll just be here. Like, you can be Bob. I was shook. I did not remember that part. And that, again, I feel like is where she was coming from a little bit of we're in a relationship. Say we got, God forbid, in a car accident tomorrow, we could be in this situation. Are you going to do this to me? Because I don't want that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, just a, a, a kind of a shocking storyline to me. Yeah. You said uh, towards the end of the episode, you were like, they cover a lot of really heavy topics in one hour. Yeah. There's a lot going on here. <laughs> <laughs> My last note on Georgie is the last scene before Addison reports him. Is that the right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Before Addison reports Bob, as I was really confused why Addison and Amelia were making these, like, knowing, giggly eyes at each other while Sheldon was explaining Bob's mental state. Like, is it because they both agree now with what they should do? I was, like, very confused. Did you see that, too? I don't remember that, but I was confused when Amelia was kind of leaning over the counter and yeah. like almost laughing about the situation yeah. and being goofy. And I get that to an extent they're at work and this is what they do every day. And so in some level they Finding have, to, humor they have to find humor. They have to disassociate a little bit because if everything affected you that deeply, they wouldn't be able to effectively do their jobs. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that is to be not something you laugh about. No. And the fact that she was taking it so, so lightly, at least um, in her body language, that's kind of what I was taking from it. Um, and Addison was so serious, was also just another point that illustrated how far on different sides people were with this issue. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything else for Georgie and Bob? Well, um, I think as I was watching the episode, I first noticed this about Bob, but um, just... They, they were so focused on care for the husband it, it, and for Bob. It just, it felt like they had just given up on Georgie. And I felt like, you know, why, why is she there? What are you, what, what are you doing to help her? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that there's really, I don't know if it's a missed opportunity or something, but there was definitely a case to be made for the rights of comatose human beings in this situation. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, the women's rights thing was obviously Huge. touched on, but I think that there's a, a case for comatose, the rights of comatose human beings that I don't know if was missed. I don't, it just wasn't. It was glossed over. Yes, that's the word I'm looking for. We've been talking about all night, dear listeners, about how I can't think of any words, and I know that that's a, a, a running theme in this, this <laughs> season here. All right, moving on to Jacob Deaver, Evan Arnold, and Angela Deaver. Uh, my first note is Jacob Deaver trying to leave the ER so quickly makes him seem so sketchy. And at first, I didn't remember who he was because I remembered him from the Grey's Anatomy episode that he was in that I had just watched. I just watched that like, I don't know two weeks ago so that was fresh in my mind and I couldn't remember who he was here but I he was just real sketchy yeah I I mean pretty much immediately knew something else was up yeah um, because it it was very strange how he was trying to run out of there um and I definitely I think kind of gasped when I saw him yeah you know we both later did. on and, and realized what was going on but I think in that scene you kind of knew right away there was another storyline going on that we were going to learn about, and we just didn't know what it was yet. Yes, yes. I also thought at the very beginning, before my my um, brain cells clicked into place, that it was like a talk screen thing, that he was like intoxicated in some way. Yeah, his eyes were really red throughout yeah. the episode, and I don't know if that was intentional or not, um, but that was something I thought about too, yeah. because he seemed very jumpy yeah on edge and yeah so it really I really didn't know I had random guesses but I just knew something was up Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. my next note is ah I forgot he was the husband (laughs) which (laughs) goes with that yeah I I was surprised when um he popped in on that scene and Mm -hmm. we realized the connection but then I was also immediately shocked because I hadn't seen the show before just in how the doctors were just so freely sharing patient info with each other yes uh and I think you mentioned you've talked previously about HIPAA violations and also the purpose of the co-op and all of that but and also you know between Georgie and now with Jacob it just felt to me that the doctors were getting so involved Mm -hmm. in patients personal lives and inserting themselves in situations Mm -hmm. um and there's, you know, a balancing act there, but also it felt to me like a lot of the doctors, and especially Violet, um, <laughs> always felt that they were on the moral high ground or knew what was best for everyone else. Yes! And in terms of care for the patient, <laughs> yes, they're the expert. Yeah. You know, but in terms of people's personal lives, I was really surprised to see them getting coffee with patients outside of and showing up at workplaces and you know I think the end outcome with Jacob and Angela was you know important I was shocked at her emotional health yeah we'll get to that but I I was like we'll get to that but um I that was just something immediately that was standing out to me was this feels weird how involved the the doctors are and I can tell some of them cared but for others I was wondering like Again, what's is your this, stake in this? Yeah, what's your stake? Is this gossipy? Are you just um, seeking this out? Or are you actually helping? And what is the appropriate line? Yeah. And when are you crossing it? Mm-hmm. 
because it, it just felt really weird to me. There are episodes with patients whose storylines really, like, hammer on the head, like, we are showing you this because Addison is feeling this in another part of her life. And I didn't feel like either of these patient storylines were that closely connected to any of our, mm-hmm. like, core core friends. Yeah. But, no, I, I agree. I'm so glad to have a fresh, t- a fresh eyes on this. Yeah, and I don't know if I'm jumping ahead too much, but when Charlotte um, ended up going to mm. the other mm-hmm. patient to tell him he may have HIV, I was just struck by how cold she was. And the how, entrance line. The entrance line, how she treated him. She wasn't treating him as a person. She just viewed him as, oh, again, this moral high ground thing. He's less than because he's, um, you know, potentially in prostitution. Mm -hmm. And whether he is or not shouldn't matter. Yeah. And also the fact that it didn't even occur to her that that may or may not be his line of work, but he may also be in love. He's yeah. still a full a human, being. human being outside of that. And it just really struck me, and I didn't like that. I, I just couldn't believe the way she talked to him. It, it, it was really, for something so serious, too, it just upset me. Yeah. I, uh, I love Charlotte King, and dear listeners will know that the next episode, not we're not covering it today, the next episode is uh, really difficult. So knowing where we are in the season and how much time was spent on Charlotte in this episode, because none of these, I mean, Angela was her patient, but no one else was her patient. But the fact that we had that staggering entrance of her in that hospital room and all of the talk about her and Cooper starting a family, not starting a family, and where their relationship stands... It was, I think, really incredible storytelling from the writer's room. I don't know if it's a showrunner, um, but the way that they set it up going into the end of this episode and the next few episodes slash, like, I don't know, maybe the rest of the series, maybe not the rest of the series. We'll see. I just thought it was really, in, I, I felt that it was an intentional line that they set for her right there. Oh, that makes sense. I, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, it was... I, and also just in the broader, you know, scene of all the doctors and how they're treating their patients, um, it just it just feels like she thought she was better yes. than yes. everyone else. And kind of just know, all-knowing, yeah. both in medicine and life and everything. And I just... Um, it just it just felt like so many of the doctors were passing personal mm-hmm. judgments on people um, instead of treating them. And that was just something that kind of took me aback. I mean, it makes sense it's a show. <laughs> <laughs> we, so, we seem to forget you know, that often. It's not going to be, you know, <laughs> it is a show. But, yeah, I, I just, it really rubbed me the wrong way. I didn't like that at all. Yeah, it, 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 was, uh, it was hard for me to watch. Yeah, it was very much early season Charlotte, and she's had a lot of growth this season and in season three. And it, it, it also, it was jarring. It was so jarring. It came out of nowhere, and it was so upsetting, and I just wanted to 
like give him a hug. Yeah, basically, because he had no one there with him. He had no one and there. He was in pain. Delivered some devastating news about someone he loves, yeah. and then also implications for his own health. Yes, and just in the coldest, you know, honestly cruel. Yeah. Way, um, all because I think she was passing judgment yeah. where she had no right to. I agree. I absolutely agree. Back to Jacob, when Pete is trying to get the, to the bottom of the situation, again, whether that's his job right now or not, up for speculation, mm-hmm. but Jacob was awfully defensive when he said, and I quote, with a man that's disgusting, he's seems very, very defensive for someone who did nothing quote-unquote wrong, and he was very adamant in the fact that he's... Uh, quote-unquote, not gay, how he labels himself, I don't know, not brought up, but he's just being very defensive. When Violet says, first of all, when they're all with Jacob in that office, in Violet's office, I would have felt ganged up upon if if I was Jacob. I had all those doctors sitting in for me. Yeah, and showing up to his workplace. Yeah. And all just very, it's just very intense. Well, Pete alone mm-hmm. to the to the workplace, like, yeah, probably not the best way to go about it. Yeah. But just him could be like, oh, like, this is my neighbor. Like, I went to college with him. Sure. But when Jacob walks into that meeting mm-hmm. and you have a therapist, a urologist, um, Pete has like six different specialties, but you have like all these pe- all these doctors just here for you. You're like, oh my god, what's wrong? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Violet in that meeting says that living a lie is wrong. I would like to say that like I think that the problem is lying to his wife and cheating on her while she is ill and recovering from bladder reconstruction and putting her health in further danger. I don't really think that the lie is our biggest issue here, living the lie. I think it's the implications of putting his loved ones in danger. Yeah. 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 And then he goes on to say, I just don't want to hurt her, but you could give her HIV and other diseases, perhaps? Yeah. (sighs) And also, um, talking about kind of feeling ganged up on, when they brought her in... To basically tell her that he's in love um, with a man and that they have HIV. I was shocked that he also brought the man with him. Yeah. And that so many people were there. I mean, to tell her and then also have the person present is a lot. And I think that needed to be something that was a little more personal between the two of them. And their relationship. I agree. Um, I, I was just surprised. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine how she, she must have been confused when she walked in. Of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like she knew that something was up, but I don't think she had any idea that this was it. Yeah. But she was just being so self so selfless. I loved when she said, I'm so healthy. And Violet goes, I was going to say. I loved that. <laughs> yeah, it seemed that was like funny. improv. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I loved how supportive she was Mm -hmm. of him. I thought that was wonderful. And it also, I was talking about communication earlier with Violet. It also made me wonder, like, if she always knew, you know, I'm sure she, she wanted 
it, it was up to him to come yeah. to that, you know, and feel comfortable sharing it. But it just made me wonder about their relationship and kind of what other things were maybe unsaid or mm-hmm. um, anything like that. But I did really like how supportive she was, even in pain herself, having been cheated on for so long yeah. and, and, and the dissolving of her marriage. But she it's very clear that she just loves him so much mm-hmm. and wants him to be happy and wants what's best for him. Um, so in that moment, I thought that was really great. I also kind of feel like at that point, first of all, she says she knew forever. I wonder if they were more you know, partners in life mm-hmm. rather than, you know, being madly in love with each other or just being in love with each other. They can love each other. It's both clear that they both mm-hmm. do. But I wonder if, you know, they were they wanted to start a family together so that they could raise a family together. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that was more where their relationship was and she had been preparing herself for something like this for a while. Yeah. Not quite this, but... Yeah, it's it's such a complex, yeah. <laughs> very layered thing going on here. Mm-hmm. You know, I was saying I, I, you know, I thought it was great how supportive she was, um, but also just cheating on your partner and putting them in danger. Yeah, regardless of who it's with, yeah. it doesn't. You know, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, but just the act of betraying her and putting her in danger. That's that's you know, where the issue is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have one last unrelated note for this storyline. Do you have anything before I get to that? Uh, No, I think that that was it. All right, dear listeners, we haven't brought it up for uh, quite some time, since mid-season three, I believe. At 32 minutes and 27 seconds, the binder wall is back. Uh, (laughs) It's in Pete's office, I believe, what used to be either Fife or William's office. And it's just a wall and walls and walls of binders that are not binders. They are uh, just art department binder ends. Oh. We talked about it a couple times. It just always tickles me. (laughs) (laughs) That's what's fun about rewatching shows. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't pick up on any of this because this was my first time watching but when I go back and rewatch shows that I I've seen you do pick up on a lot more um, and notice those details so that's really fun and I think interesting how we saw such different things Mm -hmm. because of how familiar we were with it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right moving on to miscellaneous let's just touch on uh Halloween and Pete and Violet whatever we have left with them uh, who is taking Lucas into the house? Uh, is that a nanny? Are we finally having some um, mention and viewing of help around the house for these two parents who work full-time and have a child less than school age? Are we finally, finally seeing a babysitter or a nanny? But also, why does she just like hand the kid back to them and then leave when they're done? Yeah, I... I was a little confused there. Yeah, I liked her, like, late 60s mini dress, though. I like that. Anna, I think they said. Yeah, I don't... I couldn't quite catch it. Yeah. 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 Do you want to tell us about what you caught? Oh, yes. So this was a small thing I caught outside of me just trying to understand who the characters were (laughs) in the general plot. Um, So in the wide shot... 
Um, so Lucas, that's the name of their yes. kid, so right? So this is after Lucas gets his candy. Uh, that we see like the the wicker arch in front of the trick tree. Yes, house. they've finished their conversation about the family trauma. Kids handed back. And in the tight shot, Lucas has a lollipop with a wrapper on it, kind of putting it in his mouth. And then they go to the wide shot. He has the lollipop, no wrapper. Go back in for the tight shot, wrapper's there again. Yay, so, Caitlin! Continuity error. Yay, <laughs> I don't know why the wrapper was even on it. I mean, I'm sure he just got it from the trick-or-treating yeah. and then they took it off. You know what it made me wonder is if maybe the child was, the actor was having yeah. some difficulty in the scene and the lollipop was maybe helping to calm. Yeah. And that's maybe why the rapper came off like, oh, okay, you can have this lollipop. Yeah. And they just didn't catch um, that it had been on previously. Because yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not an actor, but I believe they would have filmed like those tight shots first yes. and then the wide shot. Wow, you have some experience with actors? Say in your <laughs> family? Why? Maybe, maybe. Um, so yeah, that was... I was I was proud of myself for catching that. I one. was very proud of you. I was so proud. Still am proud. Moving on slash backtracking. Still on our Violet and um, does I say Violet and Sheldon? Definitely not. Not since season two. <laughs> Violet and Pete situation. When Violet is going into the break room, and she, so she's walking straight. Charlotte is walking perpendicular to her and she just like stops dead in her tracks and like holds the thing to her to her chest and she like waits for Charlotte to pass and then continues walking. I thought that was really, really cute and obviously great directing, but I just loved that little part. Guilting him into contacting his brother is not the way to go. Like it's his decision to begin with, but guilting him and be like, it affects your relationship with your children, with your spouse. Come on, Violet. Again, putting herself first. First. Yeah. I think it's a running theme. Yeah, (laughs) for uh, four seasons now. (laughs) Cooper and Violet's chemistry is really incredible. In the scene with the laptop outside, that email sending was great. But I also, I couldn't help but wonder, bringing in my Carrie Bradshaw at all, I couldn't help but wonder... Do you remember in 2010 if you could sit outside of a cafe with a laptop in the middle of, like, a patio, it seemed, and get Wi-Fi? You could, because uh, I used to do that in college. You couldn't. I mean, you, I know you couldn't stream, but you could, like, yeah. get internet reliably? I remember working in coffee shops. Now, was it as easy and fast as it is now? Probably not. No. But I think you could. I know I wrote papers. Yeah. But I, like, not a research paper. Yeah, I don't know. I think it probably would have depended. Yeah. You know, now there's Wi-Fi everywhere, but I I would bet it kind of depended more on the location. Yeah. She was probably using, like, the Wi-Fi of that specific place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Violet's makeup is dark in this episode, especially the um, eyeshadow is super Halloween-y autumn not quite smoky it's like a day smoky look I'm kind of into it for her yeah it was pretty yeah a quick Addison note when she is going to Georgie's blood work and trying to like Amelia's coming to Addison for advice 
I thought it was funny and cute how Addison hated neuroanatomy and then she married a neurosurgeon. Oh, good catch. Yeah, I thought that was cute. Married a neurosurgeon and now her sister-in-law is also a neurosurgeon. Or did she kind of come to hate it because... True, true. I know she said I always hated, but maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. 20 minutes and 24 seconds, Amelia was going off about plastic bottles and I thought it was really adorable and kind of meta how she was environmentally proactive and aware before it was cool oh I wrote down a similar note I um wrote down that talking about plastic bottles in 2010 not as common then I mean in 2010 people were still often buying cases of water Mm -hmm. instead of refilling their water bottles um and that was really common it wasn't necessarily frowned upon it wasn't even necessarily thought about because I think people thought oh well this can be recycled yeah it can be recycled yeah of course um so totally does something it's just uh interesting yeah you know how quickly things change yeah but I have worked in a lot of like bougie offices and like temps and bougie offices and they always do have an unreal amount of plastic bottles yeah especially like ones like that Although I do remember, it would have to be in like 2009, 2010, I remember specifically when they took like the middle of a plastic utensil out, like of the handle. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Mm-mm. And I remember that being a big deal. Oh, like the whole... The like, hole in the handle. I don't remember. I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember that. Yeah, because I would always take, um, I mean, today I would obviously use reusable utensils, but I remember that I would take plastic utensils to school with me to, like, eat my salad or, like, my leftovers or, like, soup or whatever. And I remember in high school being like, why did they take them, like, the, the middle out? Like, can that really take out that much plastic? I guess they were doing the right thing. Yeah. And then I remember, remember how thick plastic water bottles used to be they all used to feel like fiji fuji fiji yeah fiji, like that fuji. thicker plastic yeah. and now they're so crinkly thin, crinkly and the caps used to be more substantial and now they're so tiny oh i always get a yeah. not a paper cut a plastic cut yeah yeah so definitely have made changes because bottled water in 2010 was the very norm. common and the norm from what i can remember yeah and now we have our emotional support water bottles. Yes. <laughs> As I drink from my emotional support Which Halloween keep, cup. Yeah, and it keeps your water cold. Mm-hmm. Keeps your drinks hot. It's Doesn't way better all the way around. Doesn't condensate. Yeah, better all the way around. Yeah. My last notes are heavy, so do you have anything else? Just that for some of the doctors, they seemed really focused on protecting the men. And Pete and Sam. Yeah, they were very focused on protecting the men and not nearly as concerned with the women. Um, And it seemed to not matter who was technically the patient or not. Um, That seemed to be where their feelings were. Um, So I don't think I know enough about them as characters, but now knowing what happened in Pete's family trauma... He may feel a need to protect men because of what he witnessed yeah. as a child. I don't know. But um, I don't think I know enough about them as characters to kind of guess why. Um, I, I would agree with that assessment, though, and I really I like that assessment that you just made. Yeah, because... I've never thought of it that way. I, that actually just popped in my head because I didn't like how focused they were on protecting men. And then in thinking about it 
maybe that's why um, he has that instinct. Um, so it was just an observation I made. Um, it wasn't all the doctors, but yeah, yeah, it was a couple. And if I've seen, if I'd seen more of the show, maybe I'd have like a better read on that. But that's just what I picked up. Yeah, no, I I would agree. I would agree with that. I did not watch the end of this episode. I told her. I, yeah, I. I I uh, I told her to close her eyes because I didn't want her to yeah. have to watch it. I didn't watch the last scene. I closed my eyes and plugged my ears. Yeah, I told her not to. So um, I don't know how I'm going to do these next two episodes. Melissa will be back. So I'm really looking forward to that, having my co-host with me again. I uh, When Jackson and I started to talk about doing this almost two years ago now, these next two episodes coming were the first things that popped into my head of, I don't know if I can do this arc. Uh, it's heavy. Yeah, even the 30 seconds that you just like listened to, she... Uh, Basically, if our listener count goes down for these next few episodes, I won't blame you. Not because I don't think that our content will do it justice, but because take care of yourself if you don't want or feel like you can listen to these next few episodes, we'll understand. (laughs) I'm very nervous about them. Not looking forward to watching them, but I will. We know how I feel about Charlotte. Yeah. All right. So our Sam's style for this episode is Amelia. You can see it for yourself about 20 minutes and 24 seconds in. Um, It's when Amelia and Addie are in the kitchen at the office. It's really not shown for a long time. And I was like, what's happening here? Why are we wearing this at the office? But also just for one scene where you have two lines. Anyway, uh, she has like a plum polo on almost a crop top I'd say with like an open it's not it's not like a a polo for like private school it's like an open polo for like golf or something or tennis it doesn't have buttons but it still has has the um the collar the collar v-neck yeah yeah like a a collar v-neck that's a good that's good and then she has on these low rise plaid boot cut pants and they really need hemmed they're bunching at the bottom she also has these possibly snake skin couldn't really tell booty sandal high heels and she's wearing this like Daenerys Targaryen low braided bun and these delicate silver hoops with flawless makeup Really, the reason I chose this was for the heel-pant combo. Uh, The heels specifically, I I would never wear them. I don't like to be in pain in my feet, Uh, especially not for a full day at the office when I'm looking at brains. (laughs) (laughs) Who's our guest star spotlight, Caitlin? So this turned out to be quite interesting. Um, So Samantha asked me, who should be the spotlight? And I thought about it and said, you know, I think Georgie Schwartz because this character was really overlooked and her needs and were really overlooked throughout the and episode. Her care and, and all of it. All of it. And so I thought she should be our spotlight um, to honor her character. And this is where it got weird. Mm. So we were looking on IMDb, different Grey sites. We could not find the actor's name anywhere. And then Samantha went back to the credits of the show, also not listed. So we are spotlighting the actor who we cannot name, who played Georgie Schwartz, 
who was not thought of or advocated for or cared for in the way that she deserved. So if anyone finds that or solves the mystery, please let us know. Um, We would love to know who she is. Uh, But that was quite a coincidence or I'm not even sure what the right word is for that. It was really strange. Yeah, I really, I'm about to send the still from this episode to Melody because Melody knows everyone. I don't know if it's possible to do like an image search or. I tried. Oh, you tried that It just comes up with, it comes up with the same still from the episode. If it would today, I was like, oh, is this an AI thing? Like, is this um, virtual reality Is she not actually an actor? Like, is this, like, a really good animatronic? (laughs) It's just so weird. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so we tried to honor the character and even... And we couldn't. We couldn't. Mm. Um, So just kind of lines up with the show. Um, So the guest star spotlight is the mystery surrounding Georgie Schwartz. And you like mysteries. <laughs> and we ended with a mystery. So. Wow. And I found clues. I found the continuity yeah. issue. We got all in the family throwback. Mm. You know, we just, we found those little pieces. Wow. Wow. Jessica would be proud. Jessica Fletcher. We love you. And I hope the only murders in the building podcast hosts. I they oh because they host a podcast they do okay see I don't even know that it's called Only Murders in the Building that's what the podcast is called yeah they have a longer name than we do yeah they wow. film uh the podcast while investigating the murder mm. so you're seeing it all okay okay yeah okay so here we go and with a mystery. <laughs> Our trivia for this episode is this episode scored 7.68 million viewers. I want you to keep that in mind. That is around the same that we've had all season except for the first episode. Um, And I want to just take note of how it goes up in the next few episodes. This episode's title is possibly a reference to the American sitcom All in the Family, I would like to say that Caitlin did not see this part of the outline before she brought it up. She came up with that all oh, by herself. I did not. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Rockmond Dunbar, who plays Jacob Deaver, also played Sean Brotherton in Grey's Anatomy. Again, just watch this. Season four of Grey's Anatomy. He's the husband and father of a mom and adopted daughter who both fell down the stairs. He has trouble connecting to his new daughter. I'm not going to tell you anymore, even though this is a great spoiler podcast, because you should go watch it, because he's really great in that episode. Larry Sullivan, who plays Bob Schwartz, also played Dave Young in an episode of Grey's Anatomy. This is the season five face transplant by Mark. He has all these friends who are in his online orchid friend group, like an online, um, like an orchid lovers community, kind of. (laughs) Christopher Boyer, who plays Grant Murphy, also played Tom Klein in an episode of Grey's Anatomy. That's in season two when his wife has cancer but is constantly super, super, super happy euphoric. And he's like, no one is as happy all the time, so he keeps bringing her back, and that turns out that she has cancer. You know, that's something that's really cool about shows that are run for a long time is you when you catch a reoccurring guest star or I've seen someone play 
you know, a guest starring role and come back as a totally different regular mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. So it's fun to be able to catch those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was watching Gilligan's Island the other day, and I was just thinking about how it was like one of the most popular shows on at the time, mm-hmm. but how difficult it was to get a part on that show because it was only the people on the island. Like, that's the whole thing. That they're all on the island. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. Never a guest star. Yeah. Not cheap to make because I'm sure it was expensive as it went along, but like cheaper than having a bunch of extras or a bunch of sets. You just have these eight people, right? Seven, eight people stranded on one island. You just like work on a soundstage. They very, should revive it. Yeah. Very efficient for the costume department. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my, I was watching with my mom and my mom goes... How are their clothes still so clean? (laughs) I said, you've been listening to BHAB podcast, haven't you? TV magic. (laughs) Um, If they do want to revive Gilligan's Island, I'm just going to put in the um, universe that I'm available to be Marianne. Oh, I was just going to say Marianne. (gasps) That's who you are. Oh my gosh, thank you. All right, so we're calling this episode of Melissa's Musings, Caitlin's Knowledge. Caitlin's name does start with a K, K K-A-T-E-L-Y-N, the correct way to spell it. No offense to any other Caitlins in our listenership who spell it differently, but I have known this Caitlin since I was zero days old and think that the K-A-T-E-L-Y-N is the correct way to spell it. So, since it is a K, we have knowledge, which sounds like an N, but really, it also starts with a K. Yeah, uh, Caitlin can be spelled a million different ways, so we didn't feel we needed the alliteration here. Yeah. You know, we, the, the K's are just here. We thought about maybe Caitlin's quarries, which is a Q that sounds like a K, but yeah. we decided on knowledge. Yeah, a true K. Yes. So just, tell me, what do you think is going to happen in the future for these characters? We don't have to touch on Charlotte because I know you know what's going to happen with Charlotte. Let's start with Violet, your best friend Amy. um so i think at the end of the episode she showed a little bit of growth when she heard the story of what happened and my hope for her uh i don't know if it will happen but my hope Mm -hmm. is that she will um take a pause next time when she's jumping to conclusions about things or putting herself at the center or feeling that she knows something better than someone else. So I just hope she learns from it and that she can be supportive of her husband and listen, you know, more when he is expressing what he's comfortable talking or not talking about. You know, clearly it's something that was really traumatic for him Mm -hmm. and that he He didn't want to share. He didn't want to share. Understandable. He may benefit from some therapy but not by his wife not by his wife or his co-worker <laughs> yeah he needs um a third party who doesn't have a stake in it and is i literally said those words a couple episodes ago. oh really yeah 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 she she's too in it so anyway i hope for growth for yeah. them okay so that's what you hope happens what do you think will happen with violet I think I will be disappointed in her character development and that she will not really remember or learn from this. Maybe briefly, but uh, I sadly, she's come this far in her life and marriage. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't think this one incident will kind of change her approach. Yeah. But I hope it does. Okay. Okay. How about 
you didn't really get to know Sheldon in this episode, so I won't ask about him unless you want to say. He was the therapist? Yeah. Yeah, he was in it very briefly. Mm -hmm. I don't really have... Yeah, he was really only... Sheldon does his job, right? Like, Sheldon comes in, does his... Does what he's there to do, and then he just, like, continues. Except for when he does have a personal storyline. But what I love about Sheldon is that he is actually good at his job. He's a professional. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How about Addison and or and Sam? For their relationship, you mean? Anything. Anything. I just clumped um, them together because they're together right now. Wow. Well, I we didn't even see Naomi, right? That's her yeah, name? Yeah, she wasn't. She wasn't even in, this... in the episode, so. She's Audrey McDonald. Oh. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm, oh I, I wish know. she were in it. I know, it's <laughs> She's okay. She's amazing. You'll come back for more episodes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I didn't even know that. How, yeah. how cool. Mm-hmm. So I think it's hard for me to predict what will happen with them because I didn't see the full dynamic with Naomi. Mm. Um, but I do not see their relationship working. If it does, uh, they have some significant, you know, issues to work through. So I, I don't see that as being... A serious relationship down the road. Maybe just they're enjoying each other for now. Yeah. When they were both on their balconies, she goes, oh, they're neighbors? Oh, yeah. I should have written that down. <laughs> That's okay. um, yeah. That's why I'm here. I was surprised they were neighbors. I never... He was like, oh, I'm going home. Or she's... You yeah. Know, or go home, whatever. I didn't realize at all that that literally was just, like, the Next other side door. of the wall. <laughs> I feel like it should be, like, one of those hotel suites where... There's a door that can lock from both sides, oh, but yeah. also you can just go in. <laughs> oh, that would have been funny. I think it would need, like, a tiny little bridge, because there's probably, like, six inches between mm-hmm. the houses. Yeah. But, yeah. It would have been funny. So, for those who don't know, there are two houses in Santa Monica that are, I think, a they're bit well-known. Yeah, yeah, they're internet, internet famous. famous. People get a kick out of them. There's one house right on the beach that's painted, like, Barbie- Pink, Pink, purple, purple, white, white, bright, and the one right next to it is 100% black. And um, they are completely different house personalities. Uh, It's kind of like the gothic house or the very modern house and like the whimsical (laughs) Barbie house. house. Um, And it's funny because they're right next door neighbors and people like I've heard say like, oh, they're friends and everything, but... Um, it, it's just so funny because they are exact opposites right next to each other. And when Matt, when Addison and Sam were fighting, it kind of made me think like, oh, are they in those houses? Those houses oh, that are, would be, it would be funny. funny. You know, I you think you could tell there weren't, but um, it was interesting to me because they they were on such opposite sides of the issue, mm-hmm. but they had the relationship together. So I guess I would say. They were those Santa Monica houses, maybe, yes. personified. Not in terms of personality, but just opposite sides. Yeah, next to each very close. But very close to each other. Interesting. Wow. And you were worried about making a rating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, if you haven't seen those houses, Google them. They're, um, it, it's, it's pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> I we talked about them very early on. If you scroll all the way down on our Instagram, you'll see it. But I'll post it again for this mm-hmm. episode, probably. 
Anything else for Caitlin's knowledge? Anyone else you want to touch on? I think that's it. Okay, yeah, yeah, I think so too. It wasn't... I didn't get enough of a sense of some of the other characters yeah. to say. Yeah. So now our ratings and MVPs. My MVP is Addison for speaking her mind and fighting for her patients and for herself. And also kind of for fighting for Naomi, although I don't think Naomi would have liked to have had her name brought up in some of those situations. Uh, but just Addison is my MVP. How about you? 100% Addison. Yeah. She advocated for a patient, spoke her mind, did what she um, felt was right and was right and legally right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, in the face of her coworkers and friends and partners, um, you know, being on the complete opposite side. So mm-hmm. I, I'm all for Madison, Addison there. So my rating, I feel like I'm stretching a little bit here. It's like when you're super, super, super hungry on vacation, but all of the restaurants are closed. I feel like a lot of vacation destinations, the restaurants close at like 7 p.m. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like sleepy beach towns. Um, like there's not even a gas station open and then you need to eat the power bar that's squished at the bottom of your beach bag. That just kind of feels like the episode, like maybe all day you've been looking forward to this, like Angela's looking forward to starting family and um, I guess maybe Bob is as well. Wow. Um, Georgie probably was at some point and uh, it just, you end up with a, a moldy power bar at the bottom of your beach bag. Yeah. What's okay. your rating? I would say it's like when you go to the beach to escape the heat, but you didn't bring a canopy or umbrella with you, so you just feel hotter. Yeah. Yeah. I want to clarify with that, that specifically where we live on the West Coast, more inland is always like 10 to 20 degrees hotter than the beach. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because I know like if you would have said that to me when I was in New York, I would have been like, Coney Island is even hotter than my neighborhood. Yeah, but out here, the yeah, the beach tends to be um, much cooler. Yeah. I have uh, Venice, specifically, as a separate weather section in my weather app. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I know what it is because it's totally different. Than oh, there. yeah. I have little cities <laughs> throughout LA in yeah. different locations because it's, <laughs> it's different everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Do you have anything else before we go to our credits? I just wanted to say thank you for having me. This was so fun. Thank you all for listening, Um, especially to someone who'd never seen this show before. I hope my fresh eyes uh, were interesting (laughs) to you or at least funny. Um, So, yeah, thank you for introducing me to a new show. And it was fun to revisit some characters and actors I've loved and other things and Hopefully I'll be back sometime. Do you have anything to say to our entire extended family who is no doubt listening to this episode? I love you all. I miss you all. Uh, I hope you feel like you were hanging out with uh, Samantha and me uh, for the night or the afternoon or whatever time of day you're listening. Continue washing the dishes. They need done. (laughs) Finish vacuuming. (laughs) The grass is almost done. It's almost cut. I guess that could be to anyone, really. I always it listen washing the dishes. Yeah, I I always listen when I'm getting ready. You know, mm-hmm. get driving. That, get that eyeliner right. Yeah, yeah, wings, but the wings are sisters, not twins. Yes, yes. 
Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at BHAB Podcast and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor to be the first to hear future episodes. You can find me at Samantha G. Harris on all social media. And you can follow me at KCB110 on Instagram. If you'd like to support Beach Houses and Babies, please consider leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and apparently Spotify now, which is super cool, and sharing with a friend. A lot of times it really feels like I'm just putting this out into the void and I don't know who listens to it until I look at our insights. So I'd love to like chat with you. I know we have a lot of really cool, cool listeners who send me messages, but if you want to leave us a review as well, it's so everybody can know that you love the show, which is super, super special to us. It really helps people learn about the show, and we might read your review on the podcast. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash bhab podcast. On our next episode, we'll be discussing private practice, season four, episode seven, Wish Us Luck. They're available to stream on Hulu and can be purchased on iTunes, Amazon, DVD, and more. If you have thoughts you'd like to share with us on these episodes, please DM us on Instagram at bhabpodcast or email us at bhabpodcast at gmail.com to be featured on our listener mail segment. Thanks for listening. BHAB Podcast will be back in two weeks. TGIT!